This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. If you enjoy Southampton Football Club related chat, then you're in the right place. On this week's episode, Lucy, Steve and myself will reflect on the latest Saints news, which includes the 1-1 draw up at Wolves and Ross Wilson leaving Saints for Glasgow Rangers. Alongside that, we'll also preview Saints' next fixture, another Friday night home game under the lights, this time against Leicester City. Before all of that, it feels like quite a long time since we did our last podcast. Lucy, did you enjoy the international break or did it get a bit boring in the end? Yeah, I got a bit bored. I could have done with, you know, there was a lot of house stress, a lot of job stress. I could have done with a bit of Saints to take my <laughs> to mind stress. off it. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, my, yeah, you might be right about stress. Maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was the best. I know, uh, I know. But no, it, it was good to uh, get back to football this week, I thought. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? We we love it when it's here and hate it when it's here, but then we kind of miss it when it's not here, if you know what I mean. It's uh, one of those things with Saints, part part being on the roller coaster, you don't really know, and then your fingernails grow over the course of two weeks, so at least I've got some to chew again, which is good. So uh, there we go. Um, Steve, as always, you were uh, in the thick of the action uh, during that time, so let's not waste any moments on the uh, check game. I think that's probably best, but uh, just briefly, some uh, fairly shocking and sort of sad scenes out in Bulgaria and I'm not necessarily talking about the home teams defending but uh, yeah pretty uh, pretty sour taste in the mouth after all that yeah it was all fairly grim um, and also equally predictable I mean I think every, mm. the whole um, the whole build up to to the whole international break was around what might what might face some of our players in in Bulgaria mm. I don't think anybody was particularly concerned about anything going off in uh, in the Czech Republic yeah um, I mean, to be honest, in in the ground, the way the way that ground's built is just a, basically a massive bowl with a huge running track around it. So mm. you are miles from the pitch. Yeah. 
Um, and um, because the ground was, I mean, they obviously already had 5,000 seats uh, blocked off because of their previous racism. Mm. Um, and there were no home fans anywhere near where we were. So it was actually very difficult for us to hear anything that was going on kind of in the ground. Yeah. The, only re- the only reason we knew something was happening was obviously they had the two stoppages, but also um, like get receiving messages from, from back home and like people watching it on TV mm. um, sort of saying, oh, this is coming through really, really loud and clear. Can you hear this? It's yeah. like, well, no, yeah. we, can't, we couldn't hear anything. It was basically you could hear just whistling whenever we were in possession. It didn't seem to be any um, difference in volume between between any any individual. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it then became became fairly clear that that, that was what was going on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was all it was all a little bit grim, but the the fallout from it, I think, might indicate that people are finally going to start taking this sort of stuff seriously. It's not been a good week, has it, when you think of, uh, obviously, what's happened over the weekend with Haringey, and then I saw Bristol City are looking into some... Uh, I mean, I, I think all of us probably realise it happens week in, week out. It just, for, for some reason, it seems to have snowballed this week, Steve, probably off the back of the England stuff into a, a real sort of issue that, yeah, I mean, needs to be dealt with rather than... I, I was For some reason, I ended up watching the Sunday supplement for five minutes this morning. God, God knows oh, God. how I ended up... Yeah, I was obviously in a very dark moment there, but uh, Melissa <laughs> Melissa Grace, who I think is the, uh, the Liverpool related journalist was on there and to be fair to her she was she was right she was saying it was, it's no longer time for hashtags and t-shirts and things like that I mean something needs to be done about it and obviously the Bulgaria I think the chief of the FA resigned and then obviously the manager went as well so it's uh, yeah just the whole week's not been great for it it's not but on well I mean it's, it's one of those where it's not been great in in a general sense but I think it has been great because it's been getting so much exposure mm that now something will finally, hopefully, be done about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do find it a little bit crass of anybody connected with Liverpool Football Club of <laughs> um, taking the moral high ground on that, given the uh, the Suarez T-shirts and all that sort of nonsense. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not pleasant. Um, and I think Haringey are going to be the, the ones that are going to lead this, I think, mm, because mm. they're the ones that have taken a proper stand. Yeah in game and have, and have actually affected the outcome of a match by doing so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the FA does um, because I guess technically um, they've failed to fulfil a fixture. Mm. Uh, by, but the repercussions by, of that would be off. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I would be amazed if the FA, well, actually no, I won't say amazed because you can never <laughs> be amazed by decisions that um, middle-aged white men in suits take <laughs> when, it, when it comes to this sort of thing. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think that the fallout from that particular game yesterday, I mm. think is going to have long lasting repercussions in this country. And, to be honest, about time too. Yeah. Just briefly, Lisa, obviously we don't want to spend the, the whole podcast on this, but it is an important issue. From an England point of view, do you think they were right to carry on playing and obviously stick it to the Bulgarians in terms of sticking the ball in the back of the net, or do you think they should have walked off? I, I mean, I think it's pretty much up to the players that are playing. I mean, I was of the opinion that actually the ref probably should have stopped it. That It seemed to be a long time before that, like, measures were taken in terms of you know, stopping the game. Mm. Um, and if you know what they'd kind of laid out was followed then I, then i think it should have been abandoned but yeah. if you know if those players as it sounds like wanted to carry on you know they went in at half time and decided they did then you know that's their that's their kind of choice and and that's something we should support um but no i i 
I was kind of disappointed that there wasn't more intervention. I felt like there was a lot of kind of self-congratulatory, like, ooh, we stopped the game a bit. Um, mm. and, and I think perhaps more needed to be done. Um, but no, if, if there isn't going to be that intervention, then that, that's entirely on the players and, and they should be supported for doing so. And, and it's all the more satisfying, isn't it, when you absolutely thump them after all that behaviour. So, <laughs> quite right, yeah. quite right. So no, well, absolutely. Well, yeah, let's see what uh, happens there. But um, good to uh, have the podcast back. And uh, before we start this week's podcast, I'm delighted to say that we can uh, head off to Patreon Corner again as uh, we welcome and thank Mike Barry for signing up to become a TSP patron via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. So Mike, a really big thank you from all of us to you for your support. Okay, in association with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, this is TSP88. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints returned to action after the international break with a trip up to Molyneux, ultimately ending in a hard-fought 1-1 draw. Lucy, I'm sure we'll come to the various events during the game, but all in all, I think before the game we would have taken a point, so um, some uh, decent momentum on the road there. Yeah, um, a surprising point. Uh, quite an even game, I felt. And um, yeah, we, we only Adam um, predicted us getting anything out of that, I think, didn't he? Unfortunately, and it's good that he's not here, but he nailed the prediction and he's, yeah, he's moved into I quite thought... a strong lead now. So yeah, he did go yeah. for one all. But the rest of us were thinking thinking a loss, weren't we? I think I went three 0 so... didn't I? I mean, I was way off. Yeah. So yeah. Obviously, I wasn't or... taking into account the disallowed goals. That's what it was. Ah, yeah, or our goal apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, any, any of it basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, really good result um, and a better performance than I expected. Mm. And well done, VAR again. Player of the season yeah, I already. Think it probably Give is. It, hand it out already. Yeah, I think it probably is. And Steve, look, you were there. Um, what did you make of the lineup and and the tactics? Because I guess there was only one change from. Uh, the Chelsea game with Vestergaard coming in for long and my view probably was bearing in mind we all knew how grumpy Ralph was after the Chelsea game I thought he may have gone for wholesale changes but there wasn't much change but what did you make of it because it did seem like they they seemed a little bit more cohesive yeah I mean I think I mean there's I think if the game had been three or four days later then then we may have seen five or six changes but Mm. I think given that we had two weeks for him to kind of stew on that and not and kind of rationalise it and not sort of make a rash judgment. Um, then, yeah, I mean, ultimately we've. I don't think there are there are that many players that we've got in the squad who are definitely going to come in and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't enti- wasn't surprised that we went back to three centre backs. Um, basically, just trying to match up the way Wolves Wolves were going to set up. Yeah. And to be honest, it worked. It worked perfectly. I mean, I was I was surprised Vestergaard came back in. I I would. I would have probably, I might have given Danso a, a try from the start. Yeah, he's um, never I mean, going to get a start. I mean, I mean when, yeah, when, when, when are we going to play him at centre back? It's just this bizarre thing. He's now turned into a utility player who actually doesn't seem to play any set position, and then people wonder why he doesn't look very good. I know. I mean, I was I was on talking to the in the number lads. I did their podcast this week, so thanks to. Uh, 
Ray and to uh, Kev for having me on. But yeah, I mean, we were talking about that, and I, I sort of said, look, he's a young lad. He's trying to make his way in the Premier League. Um, we brought him in. Obviously, you know, he's under a bit of pressure because everyone knows how delicate that position is at centre back. But we've not played him there once, and now he finds himself stuck at right back for the last ten minutes, and uh, with Wolves with their tails up. I mean, it is just a bizarre one, Lucy. Yeah, completely bizarre. I don't, I don't get it at all. I felt like. If you're going to make the effort to bring him in on deadline day, I know it's alone, but I mm. feel like, you know, you're going to make a point of strengthening defence with a new player. You'd have thought you'd have given him a go, especially when I think quite rightly people were asking if this was kind of the right game for Vestergaard on paper, given that yeah. we were unlikely to um, see a lot of possession and unlikely to kind of really dominate the game and, they they do particularly well in wide areas with those wing backs. I just wondered why why he'd gone for Vestergaard and, mm. and and I you would think it was a Danso game from that perspective. And it, it just seems like there's there's one thing saying we haven't got a very good defence, which is entirely true, but I, I still don't think we're taking sensible measures to try and address those issues. Mm. Um and yeah, I kind thought that's throw, throwing was, stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. And I just feel like that's just those kinds of issues are not helping us. Um, as Steve said, I wasn't surprised that we went for the formation we went with. And I think had we gone for a back four, Cutroni and Jimenez would have made us look pretty stupid pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's the thing, Steve, isn't it? As Lucy sort of said, and obviously bearing in mind Cedric's out and things like that, we we you know we do actually have quite a. Or, or we, he seems to be picking from quite a small squad of players now. I mean, the youngsters seem to have disappeared generally, but it's the same sort of 16 or 18 players shooting for those 11 positions. So it's almost like he's he's not really willing to, to try much. I mean, again, I thought someone like Stuart Armstrong might have got a run out to, to sort of freshen up the midfielders thing. But that's probably why I was surprised that he did stick with the, the same players after the Chelsea game that had been so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess looking at... Looking at the international break as well, Stuart Armstrong is clearly now our number one set piece taker, having take, <laughs> having got a 100% um, scoring yeah. ratio. It was them. San Marino but, though, but yeah. yeah, it was, but it's still the same football pitch, and it's mm. still 25 yards from goal into the top corner. Yeah, true. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's again, you you come away from from the game trying to work out exactly what it is that James Ward Prowse has done, apart from run probably about 1.5 kilometers more than everybody else again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you kind of then look at it and think, well, is he running that extra distance because he's constantly out of position? Mm. Or, it, or, or is it as, I mean, obviously part of it is as part of the the whole game plan of, of pressing and winning the ball high up the pitch and, and yep. things like that. And it's great that he's got this stamina, but you've got to channel it somehow. And I I've, think... I've not seen it. I've not seen any real output from it. Mm. To be fair to him, I think actually he often gets kind of, the responsibility of of being the kind of player that pivots into a new position when we decide to change system because I don't know if you noticed yesterday we seemed to start off with quite a tight midfield three and then he just got kicked out to play on the right wing like effectively mirroring Redmond's position yeah and I don't think actually at any point in his career anyone's been quite clear if he should be a right-sided midfielder or a central midfielder because he doesn't seem to give quite enough in a tackle for a central midfielder, but nor does he have really enough pace for a kind of traditional right winger. So he gets caught between two roles, which he never really ever owns, I don't yeah. think. But it does feel a bit weird that after playing, what, 250 games, I agree with you, but we still don't really know what his best position is. Yeah, that's partly his own making and partly 
managerial, I think. Mm. I think. But yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I guess that's why I would have been interested to see someone like an Armstrong or a Brief foul play, maybe in, I mentioned Redmond, mm-hmm. but you're right with JWP as well. But uh, look, I mean, one player who's not struggling at the moment, Steve, is Danny Ings. Um, five goals in four games for him now. Um, obviously, he had a good chance, what, five minutes or so before he did score, but made amends second time. Few, yeah, I actually thought def- that first. I thought thought that first one was actually probably an easier chance. Yeah, because he's literally presented with the ball, yeah. twenty yeah. yards out, and I mean he's kind of he's almost. I mean it's kind of almost an apology shot. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, I think it was taken by surprise more than anything. Yeah, Rui, being played but, in there. I mean, if Rui Patricia was wearing a cap, he could have taken it off and, and thrown <laughs> it on the ball to stop it. It was it was that weak effort. But, you didn't see enough keepers wearing caps these days. No. Um, and then, and then they wonder, and then they wonder why they can't um, can't catch a cross that comes out of the sun. Mm. Um, always, I mean, I played in goal for a long time. It was always a good excuse for me that I couldn't see it, even when it wasn't sunny. But yeah, I mean, obviously his goals, you know, it was a, a, a nice finish. It, it was nice to see another team make a defensive mistake with. Uh, I think it was Cody, wasn't it? Come charging well, out but, and miss it. And yeah, I mean, they they were um, they were kind of defensively they they looked like we've looked for most of the season mm. um, particularly when they once they had to make the early sub yeah Bennett's injury ben, really ben, shook them Bennett going off and bringing on the um, Vallejo uh, Vallejo yeah. um, I mean he looked all at sea yeah. he looked he looked an absolute mess yeah. yeah and obviously it was him that passed passed the ball to Ings for that chance right at the start of the second half yeah. it was then his kind of really weak clearance for um, which Hoiberg then headed back and obviously it was Cody that that then missed the ball completely for for Ings mm-hmm. to go for the score. Yep. And just every, every time it was you could not see not for a player on loan from Real Madrid, eh? Yeah, I bet our analysts are looking at him. You could you could, you could see after after about ten minutes of um, of that guy being on the pitch, everything was being channeled through the left channel. Mm. We were we weren't there was barely any pretense of um, of trying to play down the right hand side for the rest of the game really. And Lucy, I mean, we've spoken a lot about stats over the last few weeks. I'm not going to go through all of them again. But actually, when you look at the game, you know, draw may well have been a fair result. But uh, if you take into account the disallowed goals and everything, but Saints had 14 shots. They had four. We had five on target. They had one, which was obviously the penalty. Um, You know, in terms of the away performance, as we say, it was a good sort of solid effort from Saints. It wasn't, I know they were maybe hanging on a bit at the end, but it wasn't like, a, a you know, some of the games they've had over the last few years where they've just not turned up for away games. It was a competitive and battling performance, which hopefully should give them some confidence moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a, it was a very credible performance and, and probably a performance that took most of us by surprise, given how bad we'd been in the previous game. Mm. Um, I think... We probably didn't have as much as the ball. I actually don't know his possession stats. Does anyone out there? If you talk long enough, I'll try and find them. Um, I my perception was watching the game that we didn't have a lot of the ball, but that might not actually be true because apparently I just make it up in my head. Um, <laughs> but that, I think the important thing was, as you pointed out, we we had a goal threat. Um, mm. I still think we're at a point where we're probably not scoring enough goals for what we're creating. Um. And I think that was probably true yesterday as well. I mean, given that Ings opportunity and, and a couple of others. Yeah. Um, we do look no, at one-dimensional. It's difficult at the moment because we clearly have a striker in form and you, and you want to play to his strengths and, and get him on the ball and give him opportunities. But mm. then sometimes that does have the kind of effect of everything relying on him doing well. I don't think we're getting quite enough midfielders into the box at the moment. Yep. I think that's probably been a problem most of the season. I don't mm. think... That's Hoybier's natural game to make those late runs. 
nor do I think Ward Prowse particularly has significant goal threat in terms of his shots once he gets in the box. Um, and I think that's a little bit of an issue and probably something Carson Hootle's been wrestling with most of the season, given yeah. that we don't. I mean, Armstrong would be the obvious person if you want to kind of add that threat to the midfield, but for whatever reason, he's clearly not not into that as a, an idea. Mm. So yeah, I think you're you're then struggling um, from from that perspective. And and Redmond isn't playing badly, I wouldn't say, but I just don't think he's quite quite on it. Um, yeah. I don't know what you're thoughts on that no I, I was thinking quite a few of those 14 shots were probably him uh, taking pot shots from <laughs> everywhere weren't they but 44% is the answer so they had 56% we had yeah. 44% but uh, look I mean just just briefly Steve before we dive into good old VAR um, we yeah. spoke didn't we in the last pod about uh, the fact that it was going to be a pivotal start of this period before Christmas for Ralph obviously spending a couple of weeks with them and Adam felt it was going to be crucial so again he, he still doesn't look very happy I'm, I'm slightly worried that there's something going on with Ralph at the moment but uh, look at the end of the day, for him to come away from there with a point, and as we said, gives him something to build on as well, heading to two tough games now against Leicester and then City. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, there are positives. There are a lot of positives to take from, probably more positives than negatives to take from uh, from yesterday's game. I would, I would say. Mm. Um, so yeah, he should should be kind of buoyed by that. He'll be annoyed the way the way we. Um, the way they got back into the game, particularly given it was what eight minutes or so after um, after we'd taken the lead, you kind of think, well, let's let's at least keep it tight for um, for ten minutes. But Vestergaard gets turned far too easily, and then we just let we just let um, uh, Doherty just run run into the box. It's like, mm. well, if you're going to bring him down, bring him, chop him down outside. Mm. Yeah, um, three of them seem to have a go at trying to bring him down, didn't they? In yeah. the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least one one of them got there in the end, Dave. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, just just before we have a chat about the penalty, then um, the two first half decisions. Obviously, the first one, the linesman puts his flag up. I think we're all agreed it probably wasn't deliberate handball, but it was handball. Therefore, VAR rightly stuck with the official's decision. Goal ruled yep. out. The second one, I know we're talking millimeters clips, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he's offside. So again, I don't think there's yeah, any problems no problem. with that. Would you guys both agree? Yeah, yeah. They're the correct decisions. I just think we're getting to a point soon where we're. I feel like we're not setting up the conditions for those to happen. We're kind of getting lucky that they do happen. I don't think it's like that we're clever playing a clever offside trap, which yeah. gets someone offside. Oh no, I, I mean that, like... that handball was basically the the thing that we've been getting done by all season, which is just a, just what I was going to say. Lumps, lumps fall <laughs> over the top. Vesta guard running yeah. around in circles Onto trying to see it. it. Yeah. Gun somehow ends up stranded. It's like, <laughs> it was. You, so like simultaneously correct decisions but Mm. also kind of lucky that they keep happening i mean eventually you know that millimeter isn't going to be there or it's not going to hit the hand and we're just going to have another one of those problems i don't know why long balls by the way are such an issue but they clearly are a massive issue yeah yeah Um, that was apparent yesterday um has been apparent all season it has it has and as you say yeah watching vestigar sort of running around in a circle like a dog trying to chase his tail but uh, there we go at least he got away with that one um the penalty then i didn't think it was a penalty uh, i thought he you know yes there was a couple of nibbles on the way through from various players but a bit like kevin de bruyne in the crystal palace game later on in the day i felt that um dirty just kicked the back of uh Hoiberg's leg and then went down and obviously if the referee gives it we know that var probably aren't going to overturn it but from what i've seen on various social media uh, outlets today you guys probably both thought it was a penalty yeah, I think it was. I think we had a couple of nibbles, and then I think Hoybier just kind of they pretty much barged him, if I'm honest. And I don't really know why, because I don't think Doherty's getting off a decent. 
might get a strike off on goal, but I, mm. I think he's unlikely to score from that angle. So I, I was a bit frustrated in the way they both cut, they all kind of piled in in a panicked way, like, oh, we scored eight minutes ago, we can't let them consider like. Yeah, there was no cool thinking there, wasn't no, there? there was no. There was no right, okay, the position he's in, we've got so many defenders in the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he threads one through five pairs of legs and it goes in the corner, yeah. well, you hold your hands up and say, well, what can you do? Yeah. Um, but yeah, where the position he's in, I mean, from, from where I was, where, where I was stood, I mean, I was just the other side of halfway. So mm-hmm. I'm probably about 60, 70 yards away. And I mean, it just looked absolutely nailed on from where, from where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen it a few different angles, I, I think it was. But yeah. then I can see why it's not one of those, you know, stone wall penalties. I can see why you might interpret it differently. I just felt like it. Yeah, like, yeah. I, if the ref doesn't give it originally, I don't think VAR overturns yeah. it. And that's yeah, the thing, that's... isn't it? I mean, that's, you know, for me, as I say, then, that's like... I don't, I don't think there's been anything that, that VAR has, has overturned from a foul perspective, well, that... other than there's been sort of two or three, um, two or three incidents where someone's fouled, um, fouled the keeper in the build-up mm. to a goal, which mm. have had goals ruled out like as a result. Like handball today and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, though. It's like the Kevin De Bruyne one, Anthony Taylor doesn't give it, so therefore VAR doesn't overturn it against uh, Palace. But, of course, if he had given it, the, the decision would have stuck, wouldn't it? So I think that's probably the frustration at the moment is that VARs obviously get a lot of the blame, but a lot of this comes from the human with the whistle and the decisions that they're making initially and uh, then what happens after that, really. But uh, I think we also probably... kind of comes with the players not cheating. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that'd be, that's that'd be the quite thing, nice. So. Well, and just, yeah, I mean, not... what... What, concept. Well, what happens? We're getting booked for diving and all that sort of thing. But there we go. That was that was probably last mm. season. But look, we could spend hours talking about this again. Look, just just to finish the wall section, then, uh, Steve. Um, on the road form for Saints this season's been good. Two wins, one draw, two defeats, um, seven points from fifteen on the road. But more importantly, probably seven points from our eight overall, which is eighty-eight percent, which is a league high. Uh, the other thing is we've obviously got the fourth best away form. Uh, of course, as we'll come on to probably when we talk about Leicester, we are bottom of the home form table. But yeah. focus. Focusing on on the road so far this season with Saints, they're picking up enough points that would make it a comfortable season if you were doing your job at home. Yeah, um, and I, th- I mean to be fair, I think I think a fair amount of that comes down to um, the, just the way the schedule's panned out. Mm. Um, we've had the home um, the teams we've had to play at home so far. I mean Bournemouth aside, yeah. um, who you, who I mean pre- in previous years we'd have they they wouldn't have turned up and we'd have rolled them over easily. Mm. Um, We've had we've had difficult games at home. We've had Liverpool. We've, I mean, Man United are obviously a shadow of themselves at the moment, but um, that they're they're still it's still Man United, yeah. um, Chelsea, and obviously it's not getting an awful lot easier with um, Leicester coming up on mm. on Friday, who are um, I think still third at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's it's part of part of the part of the issue is is just the way the schedule's panned out we've had a relatively kind set of away fixtures i think mm-hmm. um and yeah we've we've kind of maximized our opportunities away from home against teams that we're um kind of battling um sort of on a on a similar level so obviously the wins at brighton and sheffield united were, were we won't big. talk about burnley there <laughs> well yeah i mean burnley burnley was a funny one in that that was basically a fifth, just a fifteen-minute blast, wasn't it? And yeah, apart, yeah. Apart from that, pieces, didn't we? Yeah. Apart from that, it was it was a nil-nil game um, written all over it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not overly concerned by the home form just yet. I think if if it comes to Christmas and we've still not won a home game, have it, given that we've got the likes of Watford and Norwich, Norwich in, the couple, yeah. in the in the couple of weeks before Christmas, yeah. Um, if we're not winning those sorts of games, then yeah, then there's a serious problem. Yeah, I I, I agree with Steve. I don't. I, I'm not panicking yet. I think. The fixtures weren't very nice, and they won't be nice till the middle of next month, really. Um, we're, we're largely beating teams that we stuff. should be and losing to teams that yeah. we should lose to. Earlier this week, after much speculation, Saints Director of Football Operations Ross Wilson left St Mary's for Glasgow Rangers. Lucy, it probably sounds a bit bitter in the cold light of day, but uh, a loss to Saints or not? (laughs) Um, I think it's difficult to look at our recent transfer activity and say it's a massive loss. Mm. But I do think there are a number of extenuating circumstances, which mean that it's not likely to be his fault and only his fault. Yeah. Um, but I think this this offers the opportunity for Saints to kind of properly hit the reset button um, and 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 kind of move on with kind of the new plan, um, whatever that might be, um, without kind of being unsure about the contributions of different sources, I guess. Um, mm. A bit like we had with the management recently. Um, so I think, yeah, it offers the opportunity to start again, but I can't see it being a massive loss. And I think... The fact that Saints were able to kind of get rid of him in in those terms, in terms yeah. of someone else poaching him, is probably a bit of a relief, I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'm not going to be mourning the loss. Um, and uh, but I, I kind of do that without wishing anything bad. I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I don't feel particularly like everything was his fault. And to be quite frank, the kind of business model we work with is is pretty difficult for anyone yeah um but but i yeah i don't think it's going to have a massive impact on saints going forward yeah and i guess overall steve while a lot of his signings will be associated probably with the les reed recent tenure at the club um and largely blown the van dyke money and things like that do you think he was harshly treated by fans generally and sort of you know these signings are his signings type thing or do you think that he's possibly being rightly criticised for them because generally most of them are out on loan now somewhere else well I, th- I think it's it's one of those that um, I mean Les, Les Reed was obviously uh, pilloried for a very similar thing in that he would come out publicly sort of all happy and smiles when, when things were going vaguely well yeah, um, and then disappear and you wouldn't hear a word word um, from him for mo- for months when it's when it's going badly. So I think ultimately his is the role that takes responsibility for recruitment, mm. and I don't think that anybody could possibly argue with a straight face and say that our recruitment over the last three or four years has been good. Mm. Um, so therefore, the the logical end point of that is well, he's gone, shrugged my shoulders, who's next? <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess that's the thing, Lucy, isn't it? You know, there's been some rumours, I think, even before the reorganisation in the summer that his days were were maybe limited, so win-win possibly, and that Saints now get to move forward with someone that they want in the club that Ralph wants, that the, the new sort of owner wants and that sort of thing, and he gets to head back to Scotland. Obviously, he's worked up here a lot and is Scottish, so as I say, sort of win-win, you know, he's obviously moved to a big club. Yes, I guess he has moved to a big club in certain terms. In a pub um, league, obviously. Yeah, I was about to say the league itself is is fairly limited. Yeah. But he, well, I, I even Al Yunisi's doing well up there. So. Yeah. 
Well, exactly. Uh, if if he's doing well, then you've got serious questions. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, yes, I I think it raises a point now though that um, the kind of excuses have gone have gone now. Mm. You know, over a couple of years ago, you'd said, well, the manager isn't really who we want, and we've got questions about you know the people that are running the football club. Well, well, now you've taken those out, so you've got a manager that people speak very warmly about, certainly from a board perspective. Um, and you've lost, you know, perhaps the weak links that might have been kind of hidden behind if those are how you want to be kind of portrayed. So now I would say the pressure really is on um, in terms of trying to sort the football club out. Um, I don't think that's going to be a quick process, not under the kind of current business model, which means, you know, you're unlikely to have a lot of money to spend and you're unlikely to be able to make much movement without selling some of these players that we don't seem to be able to sell. But um, I think you are at a point now where bad buys, you know, are much more difficult to explain away. So uh, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a new period now, a new era for the club and um, one that needs to kind of be a productive one, I think. And just moving forward then, Steve, we're being told by Adam as per the uh, Echo piece earlier in the week before he uh, jetted off on holiday again that uh, Saints now want to bring in a, quote, player trading expert. So what do you think that means for those of us that are uh, struggling? I mean, obviously, we know what player trading is, but the difference between, a, you know, a football director or whatever. And is there anyone particularly you might be after if you were trying to recruit for that position on the assumption that they don't maybe do the typical Saints thing and go cheap and promote someone internally? Well, the obvious answer would be Paul Mitchell if he's available, mm. but I suspect he's probably not. Um, and, well, I mean, I think you kind of, there's a couple of ways you can go with it, I think. There's, you've got the, the kind of way that we've done before with the likes of Mitchell and Wilson to a, to an extent, whereby you get somebody who's performed a very similar role at, at a different club, probably a club sort of slightly lower in the, um, sort of in the food chain. Yeah. Um, and you kind of say, well, okay, this is, this is the structure. This is still the structure we want, but we want somebody who is just going to be better at the job. So, okay, you, you're going to pick someone who's had success elsewhere, um, and then give them the opportunity to, um, to kind of rectify what the previous guy screwed up. Mm. Um, alternatively, you could go down the Wolves route and get a, so your player trading expert is actually an agent yeah, yeah. Um, who is someone who has obviously access to a certain level, certain caliber of player mm-hmm. um, and having that relationship with an agent or an agency or a group of agents then gives you, theoretically gives you a competitive advantage over similar sized clubs. Yeah. So like there's a lot, there's, I mean, there's so many players that wolves have signed mm-hmm. who Clubs of their size should a shouldn't be signing, and b um, should be a, should be ahead of Wolves yep. in terms of being able to to acquire those players. And yet, yeah, Moutinho that, being the obvious yeah, example, absolutely, yep. And so, yeah, if 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 we can get into a similar competitive advantage that they've got, um, obviously with a different agent, then yeah, I mean that that could work. I mean as long as as long as there's nothing. Um, sort of dodgy or underhand going on. It does seem uh, a bit dodgy and underhand, though, Wolves, doesn't it? Does. I mean, as much but as I worked, kind of admire it? them, it, it yeah. has worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those um one of those sort of situations of 
exploiting loopholes that that exist in the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, because clearly the agent is working for both the club and the player, mm. and it's like, well, how is that not an obvious conflict of interests? Yep, yeah. Um, but if you're allowed to do it, then why isn't everyone doing it? Because wolves wolves have clearly seen a huge benefit from doing it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so why is nobody? Else- why is nobody else copying them? Well, I, then, I, as you say, I, if they I'm can baffled, get away with it, yeah. Genuinely baffled that, that nobody else has tried this yet in mm. this country. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast, sponsored by HappyHotTubs.co.uk. Next up for Saints is the visit of Leicester City, who have started the season really well with five wins, two draws and two losses, a collective 17 points and third place. Lucy, it makes me sound rather smug, but I did predict at the start of the season when I was uh, doing a piece for a, a blog site that uh, I did think that Leicester were probably the best chance at breaking the top six this season. Early days still, but do you think that? Well, I, yeah, I thought the same at the beginning of the season. I, I thought they were the obvious pick for that Um and they've shown that they are, and they had quite rough fixtures, actually, a mm. bit like us, and have still made a march into the top six. So I would think it's not going to look great for Saints. Um, they look particular, and <laughs> particularly given their strength, given the, the pace of Vardy, mm. um, the creativity in midfield, all the things we kind of fear um, they're quite good at. So, yeah, I think... They're a very impressive side, um, and one that's only going to get better given their kind of their midfield three of Ndidi, Madison, um, and Tielemans, who are all under 23, which is yep. frightening. Um, uh, and they've got, you know, a, an experience about them, kind of, uh, kind of know how as well without, with that kind of youth. So, um, yeah, after they won the league, there was a kind of period of kind of hangover. I think they're now kind of out the other side of that and Brendan Rodgers is obviously getting them playing um, a a good and productive style of football. Mm. The only thing I would say about them is that they possibly haven't as been as effective in front of goal as you might assume from their league position. They aren't, they haven't, other than the Newcastle game, haven't really smashed teams. Mm. Um, And that would be the kind of thing that might give you hope as a Saints fan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it, Lucy? To sort of defensively, I mean, they've, they've obviously got a talented squad, but you look at the centre backs, not necessarily great on paper. But I think also it'll be interesting to see from a Saints point of view, because as you say, I mean, counter-attacking wise, they are lethal. So I guess we'll come on to talk about Saints, but it'll be interesting to see whether we sort of sit back and let them have the ball and just frustrate them, or whether Ralph thinks, right, you know, we need to get this home win, let's go for it. But then, of course, you leave the the back door open. Yeah, I. I don't know really how you play it. I think uh, Soyuncu at centre back has been a better replacement for Maguire than mm. the kind of the neutral expected. Um, so there probably isn't the weakness that we might have expected. Um, and I think they are a counter-attacking team, but that they're kind of at a point now where they're they're kind of moving beyond that. So the whole idea of perhaps letting them have possession and frustrating them might not be as productive as it was a couple of seasons ago. Yep, so, yep. Um, yeah, it's a, a difficult one, um, and it's going to take a lot of kind of organisation and, and kind of resilience, I think, to keep them out and, and pose a threat down the other end. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling very positive. Um, Don't worry, me neither. That might, 
I mean, from from a sort of manager point of view, Steve, I think we all sort of dislike Brendan Rodgers from his Liverpool time, but and Adam would, if he was here, would strongly disagree. But I suppose any manager is going to look pretty exciting on the pitch when they follow Claude, of course. Um, but what do you think he's brought to them over the last few months in terms of the way that they're now playing? Well, he, I mean, he's he's always been a very attack-minded manager, hasn't he? Even um, even when he was at like Reading and they were largely rubbish. Mm. Um, it was because they were shipping loads of goals. Yeah. They were scoring plenty, but losing games like 4-2 and things like that. Um, so he's he's always been an attack, attack-minded manager. And I think the squad that they've got um, just lends itself perfectly to it. I think that the that appointment was both the most obvious, but also kind of a bit too obvious mm. um, when they made it last season. I mean, it was... Um, obviously, just chalk and cheese from Claude Puel, but um, I mean, part part of the issue there with Puel was that you had senior players that were just acting up, yeah. Um, which is the problem he had with us as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't nip that sort of stuff in the bud early on, then you're you're always fighting a losing battle. And Rogers Rogers basically got um, Jamie Vardy on side immediately, yeah. By basically just deciding, right, we're going to play exactly how you want us to play going to get them get them best out of you and i think vardy's the leading scorer in the premier league since rogers took over mm, mm. um and he's kind of almost at a goal a game which is frankly ludicrous yeah yeah um but yeah i mean they're they're gonna they're gonna pose us problems i mean as as lucy said you, people weren't quite sure how how they were going to cope defensively having sold Maguire. Mm. but sayunchu seems to be seems to be well he's quicker um and kind of seems to be a better all-round defender. I, mm, I kind of so. I kind of require, regard Maguire as a as a as a stopper defender. Yeah. In that he'll you know, he's kind of like a sort of a sort of new age John Terry in that he'll basically just throw his big fat head in the way of everything. Um, but Sayunchu seems to be a lot more cultured, mm. and I mean you put that alongside the experience of someone like Johnny Evans. Who I mean, Johnny Evans should be playing for a Champions League club still. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely ludicrous that um, you've got players like Marcus Rojo still getting a game for Man United. Yeah, let's not talk about that. I don't um, want to cause any kind of friction with Man United fans should they be listening, because that guy, that that defending on that Lalana goal, what are you doing, Rojo? What are yeah. you doing? Well, it's him and Young, wasn't it? They yeah. Just, yeah. Young just let him go, didn't he? But, Both yeah. just yeah. stood there watching. Like, yeah. I remember but, the days when we were linked with Marcus Rojo, weren't we? Well, yes. yeah, we, we beats, were all really, we were really, we were all really disappointed to miss out on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we missed out to that that fullback that Man United bought. Yeah, a few yeah. Butner. Yes. yes. And again, yeah. relieved they beat us to it. So they did a couple of there. Thank you. So, from a Saints point of view, then, Steve, obviously, I mentioned we are bottom of the home form table, so the only way is up. Um, how do we get something out of this game? Um, we outscore them, I think. Um, I like your style, I like that. Yeah, I mean, Solid I, I, I think, well, at the end of the day, we've got to kind of accept where we are and accept that we are a shambles defensively. So therefore, why waste time fixing something that isn't going to be fixed? This sounds like a 7-6 prediction or something like that. We haven't got there yet, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. I mean, I, I, I think... Ultimately, it's one of those situations where I think at the moment with the way our home form is, you've kind of got to give the fans something to be interested by. Mm. 
So I actually think grinding out a nil-nil draw, even even though nil-nil against against Leicester, I think would actually be a very good result. Yep. If you stop them scoring, you've done pretty well. Mm. Um, but I think at the moment, the way certainly the way the atmosphere was um, from what I saw at the um, Chelsea game, because mm. um, obviously I, I didn't actually make it down for the game, but watching it on, on TV, it kind of seemed as if everything kind of either went flat or there was sort of murmurs of discontent that yeah. that kind of crept in every time we were making these massive rickets at the back. Yep. It's like, well, if you... If you kind of temper that by being really exciting going forward at the other end, people will accept. People will accept that it's like, it's the the kind of Newcastle 1995 principle. Mm. Um, if you're going to win a game, win a game four three or lose a game four three, fans will go fans will go home and and they'll they'll say, well, wasn't, wasn't that a brilliant game of football? Mm. Um, yeah, we've lost, but we'll win a game. We'll win a game like a week or two later yeah. probably not a week later because that's Man City away but <laughs> um, but yeah you, I mean, you kind of know where I'm coming from final thing Lucy before we do our predictions in terms of the team yesterday and obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Cedric and I think Gineppo is probably going to be out for a little while longer but would you change anything from yesterday or would you give that 11 that did alright another chance to sort of get out there bearing in mind it's a home game versus an away game it's difficult because I don't exactly know what Hasenhutl's kind of trying to develop or trying to work on tactically because we seem to change shape pretty frequently mm. under the assumption that they'll probably just go with Vardy up front yep. I'd be tempted to drop Vestergaard back to the bench don't think Vardy's going to be his natural um, opponent chasing him all night yep. yeah I can't, can't see that working out well I'd be tempted if you're going to go back to a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-2-2 which I think he is still working on and would still prefer. Um, I think then, we need. To, I think we need to use width against Leicester yeah. because they, yeah. because they will as well. Pereira at right back is. I would say he is up there in the discussions for the best right back in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yet and yet he seems to get very little attention because he doesn't yeah, pay for the big six. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's part that's part of the reason, but he's Portuguese international. It's yeah. not it's not as if he's some complete unknown. No. Um. So yeah, I'd be tempted to um yeah go back to back four um I, and kind of I don't know who I'd bring in. Maybe Buffal. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. mixing a little I think bit. We need to, that's that's the other thing we need with Samaria, though, isn't it? So quite so quickly. We need yeah. excitement. We need flair. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know why he got dropped quite so swiftly because he seemed to be playing quite well. Mm. Um. Uh. So yeah, I'd I'd probably bring him back in maybe. I think we're going to have to use wits, as, as Steve just said, and I think we're going to have to just try and put enough pressure on them that, that we aren't exposed too much, I think. Yep. Fair enough. So, All right, well, let's have some predictions then. So Mr Leach, he's starting to get a bit repetitive with this now. He's gone for one all again. It's like literally Adam yeah. one all Leach every week, but uh, that's coming live from wherever he is uh, somewhere else in the world. Um, Steve, you're going for 7-6? Uh, <laughs> uh, not, not quite. I'm going to go for a... Um, Go for a valiant 3-2 defeat. Oh, nice. Goals, though. Everyone yeah. will enjoy that on Friday night. So, uh, good. What about you, Lucy? Um, I think I'm going to go 1-2. That's exactly what I had as well, so I'm going to go with you on yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I can't say that I'm overly optimistic, but then everyone that listens to this podcast will say that every week. So, uh, that's yeah, fine. Wait, wait. lost every week. Well, pretty much. I'm the Mark Lawrenson of uh, TSP, as everyone knows. Obviously, I look forward to predicting us away at Man City next week.
Thanks for listening to TSP this week. Uh, very much appreciated. As I mentioned earlier on, I was on in the number podcast with uh, Ray and Kev, so give that a listen if you get a chance this week as well. It was uh, nice to be on, so thanks for inviting me, chaps. We'll be back again next time when we'll be going to the heart of all things Saints FC, and I'm sure talking about a famous Southampton 7, Leicester 6 home win that's rocketed us up the form table. Until then, have a good week wherever you are. Keep marching in. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.